0: Hey, um, listen, it's uh, an amazing privilege to welcome Trent to the pulpit this morning, and um, so why don't you give him a big clap, because, um, <coughs> yeah, because <coughs> he's kind of been through the mill, as most of you are aware, Right, park yourself here somewhere. And um, have a seat, Um, because about um, four months ago he got pretty sick, you know, and he went to hospital and I visited him there a few times, and um, I know you're already praying for him, so it's a great privilege to be able to stand here this morning and welcome you Trent back into into the place where we believe God has called you into leading us, you know? So, um, that's it. (laughs) Yeah, I will pray for you, you know. So why don't you just reach out your hand, you know, because it's a a great time this morning. And for those of you online as well, Olga particularly there as well. Father, we pray your blessing to be upon on Trent this morning. And Father, I pray for complete healing in his entire body. Father, every area that has been, um, you know, kind of pinched really. And um and I pray right now, Trent, that you'd be made made well and whole in Jesus' name. And that your blessing would be upon your
1: message that you've brought to us today. Amen. That's awesome. Yeah, well, as Kevin said, it's been it was February I last preached. You guys are looking as good now as you did then. <laughs> so that's 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 encouraging. That's good. Can I have the my doozy thing? Dofer, the pointer. Come on, own oh, no. up. Who's got it? <laughs> cool. Do I have? Uh, do I have any screen? No. Up there, I do. I do. Okay. I, I might just move my chair around. So, would you, would you guys mind if I really become a bit of a pest? No, no, I've got it. Just, I just need to be able to see what I'm putting up there. I don't want to put anything embarrassing up there, like my holiday photos or anything. <laughs> you haven't seen me in a bikini. <laughs> now, now I need to pray for, an, for a cleansing of your mind after thinking about that. Anyhow, there you go. Looking through the right lens. Matthew chapter 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is in darkness, how great is the darkness? You know, really, our eye, the condition of our eye determines the quality of our perception. It's the lens through which we see life. It determines our perception and understanding of what life is to us. And, and, and it may not be correct or a true picture, but it becomes our reality. I don't know if any of you have ever seen that picture there. Probably most of you. What do you see? Young girl? An old lady. Yeah. Can you see both of them? Yeah, see there... There, if you look at that, that's the young lady's face. There's her nose, and there's that—it's her face. But if you turn around the other way, now I've lost the picture. You've got an old—that is the nose of an old lady. There's her hair. See, so it's your perception. Can you see it? Some of you going, I can't even see the picture. (laughs) It's up there. Trust me. You can't see the other one? So you see the girl, there's the young girl. That's her face. Yeah. There's her nose, there's her ear, right? So we've got that. But then if we look at it from the other point of view, that's the hair, there's the nose of the old lady, there's her mouth, and she's got a, a uh, bonnet on her head. Yeah, got it? Got it? Yeah. So it's your perception, how you look at something. You see, the eyes are the gateway in the natural, that tells us what's out there. There are, of course, there are other senses as well, but it's the eyes that really is the key thing that lets us know what's in front of us. And if our eyes are bad, or we're not seeing properly, we're seeing double or blurry, it it influences what we actually, our perception of the world. Our world becomes different than what it really is The perception is how we see things. Now, you know, sometimes we have glasses, which, you know, and and one of the classics in sunglasses is polarized. Uh, Polarized lenses are those for the purpose of reducing or eliminating glare from the sun, eliminating that that prevents you from seeing some things. That there, for instance, there, we see that. Oh, no, it's not going to come up, unfortunately. But when you try to put a lens, a, a polarised lens on it, it takes the glare away and you can see. Those are both polarised lenses. Without a polarised lens, that glare is there and you can't actually see the fullness of the thing. They don't create something that's not there, but by eliminating the glare, the polarised lenses reveal something that is there that was hidden from you and you could not see it in the natural. So when you put on polarised lenses, you get to see things way down deep. This week, I went to get a new pair of glasses. You're going to see them in a few weeks' time. Whoa, look out. But anyhow, as I put them on, I mean, I was seeing things that, like the optician said, you know, read this line, when I had these glasses on. She she said to me, read this line. And my first question was, what line? <laughs> she said, I think you're going to need some new lenses. And as she put my lenses on, things became clearer. And that's what it's all about. It's, it's not that something um, new is as a peer, or a, not that there's something that wasn't there, has become there, it's that now we can see something that was always there. Yeah, on February the 12th, was the time I preached, was I think it might have been actually my first sermon of the year, second sermon, and it was a great day. I remember the worship, not was fantastic and we just had a wonderful time. Coffee, the coffee was hot, which is always good news. And on the next day I complained to Sue about how my back had become really sore and it was unusually sore. And most of you know the story. My, com- my back continued to get sore and sore over that week and, and finally I began running high temperatures on Wednesday and even vomited a little bit in the morning. So much debate. About you know Sue and I just de- debated, <laughs> and then Sue won, and she took me to hospital. And so Thursday we went into hospital at nine o'clock in the morning. I was admitted to hospital with high temperatures and a very very sore back. Four o'clock the next morning the lights came on in the cubicle I was in, and doctors and nurses rushed in, and informed us or informed me that I had MRSA bacteria infection which is a highly dangerous and potentially da- deadly infection. It's a superbug. And within a matter of minutes, my life changed. My perception changed. I did not realize how bad, that it, actually, that it was, to be honest, Sue had realized of her bit more medical training how deadly it was, and that if I didn't beat this, that could be it for me. And something that I didn't know or see was now controlling my body. And over the next week, I had, a, uh, over the next weeks, next three months, I had a group of doctors, about 15 doctors, f- giving me every x-ray possible, MRIs, filling me with drugs, every a- giving me the strongest antibiotics available to get rid of this thing that I wasn't even aware of. And the infection was finally, good, the good news was that it, it actually only rooted itself in my spine, the bottom of my spine. And because uh, oh, yeah, you know, they were concerned because I've got a, a heart valve, a metallic heart valve, that I could get attacked there, so they were checking that and everything. But all it did was attack the bottom of my, my um, spine, hence my problem of walking. And I've shrunk three inches. I've shrunk. <laughs> so Susan joined us because now I look up to her. <laughs> Whatever your wife wants. Yeah, I've I've always looked up to her. Yeah, you're right. But the treatment that I had was successful and you know all this, and after four months I'm now free of infection and I just have to learn to walk again, rebuild the strength of my legs and my, my spine. But you know, as I was going through this, one of the things that I started thinking about was I found myself thinking about Moses. And there's a story in Exodus 33 and I don't have time to read it. But you know, Moses was in this place of despair. He'd been following God's commands, got the children of Israel out of imprisonment, got them into freedom, and now he's at this critical point of moving ahead. And God turns to him and tells him that, you know, he's to go into the desert. And if he goes into the desert, he'll find this promised land. And it's going to be an incredible promised land. And, uh, you know, God says, listen, this is going to be an incredible thing for you. But there's just one thing. I'm not going to go with you. Because of the sin of the people, I'm not going to be going with you. And Moses was suddenly overwhelmed with fear and uncertainty. I mean, this was a crisis moment for Moses. He said, you know, I mean, suddenly he said, well, what what am I supposed to do? I mean, you know, I've only known your presence. Everything that's happened, getting these people out, happened because I knew your presence. And now you're telling me you want to take these guys and go into the desert and you're not going to be there? You're not going to be in the midst of this. And he felt completely and utterly deserted. He felt alone. He felt scared. He felt like, you know, everything had gone, it was just collapsing around him. And yet he'd done everything right. I I don't know if you've ever felt like that, but I tell you, I have. You know, I've felt like that. i felt, you know, that I I, I thought I'd done everything I was supposed to. I'd been obedient. And instead of getting some prize, I got stuck in the desert, not sure which way to go. And in fact, I even found myself questioning what I'd been doing and questioning the truthfulness of God. As I stood there, it just felt so unclear. It felt like I'd been led into a trap. And this is what Moses had been facing in this time. This time. So as God says this to him, God says, listen, I'm not going to go. Moses says, listen, God, I will take your people, but I have two requests. Number one, I'm not going to go if you don't go with us. I can't do that. And second, I want you to show us your glory. And many of you know this story. Wanted that. I want to see your glory. Glory. Now, in this moment, what I need, God, is the right perspective on all that's going on in our lives. And Moses understood that the right perspective for life was to see God's glory. You know, and I've got to be honest, that was me. I finally understood, how, as I understood how dangerous this infection that I had was, And the possibility, literally they said, that the infection that was in my body, that if if we left it several more days, that that it could have been terminal for me. That it was that bad. That I may not have walked again and and death was even a potential. That that hit me like a brick wall. I I was stunned. And there were times when I just began to sink into (laughs) self-pity. Thank goodness... God provides. And uh, the the blessing for me was that because of my infection, I had to have a private room, which meant that Sue was able to spend most of the time there. She decided that she was going to camp there with me. And no nurse or doctor had the nerve to tell her no, she couldn't. (laughs) And so in those dark nights, when there was fear and there was anxiety and there was uncertainty in my heart, we'd sit there and she'd read me Psalms or we'd pray together. And as as we prayed together, we became more and more aware of God's presence. And and I know that God heard our prayers. And just as he heard Moses' prayers and responded, I knew that he was responding to what we were praying. I knew that that things were going to change. And this is what I want to, want to share with you guys this morning. This is what I want to put out in front of you. Here's the lens that I want to give you to cope with every situation in your life, and it's the lens of God's goodness. You know Moses, this is when Moses cried out and said to God, "I want to see your glory." God's reply was, "I'll pass and I will pass and let you see my goodness." My old past, and I was thinking about this, and I realised that God wanted to give me, in the situation that I was in, that, that it, it seemed crazy, but I, there was actually an upgrade in my understanding in the, the goodness of God. He, he and, and you know what, He wants everyone. He's not going to put you all in hospital. He's not going to give you all an infection. Don't, don't worry about that. But he wants to give every single one of us, I believe, an upgrade in understanding how good he is. You know, And, and listen, we talk about God's goodness a lot around here. You know, that that's our main theme. We really do know how good God is. We, we've seen that testimony again and again and again. But, but I think he wants to lead us even to more. I think he wants to take us another step. You know, you know, one of the verses I often talk about is in Revelation where the elders in heaven, there's this group of elders. God, there's not, not a big description of them, just that they're crazy with heads of cows and all sorts of crazy things. You know, they, they spend their whole time before God worshipping Him, And it says they worship him day and night. And, you know, I have this image of them looking up and looking into God and seeing his goodness and seeing his beauty and seeing his wonder, and they fall down. And they worship him for, yeah, I don't know, maybe a couple of thousand years. And then get themselves up, kind of tidy themselves up, put their hats on, look back up, and they see some more of God. And they see another part of God's goodness and another part of God's faithfulness and another part. Of, and they fall again to their knees in worship. And, and in a sense, that's exactly what God wants for each one of us. That he wants to share, lead us into another place where we see more of God's goodness that there's more for every one of us. And it's something that is so real. It's not just a theory. It's not just some sort of religious story. God's goodness is the reality that sustains the universe. And I know that each one of us can grasp it. I know that I experience more of God's goodness now than I did 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. But I tell you what, I want a whole lot more because I know there's more. And I know that to continue to thrive in the culture that God is leading us into, that to continue to grow and move forward with God, then we've got to see all through life the lens of his goodness. I'm sure you've all felt where, you know, there's been something you've learned, something you've known. But then you get into this place where suddenly you actually realise that there's actually even more to learn. And that's what it is for us. There's a greater revelation coming for God's love for us. And the, and key, the key to seeing life in the, the, the real, true way it's meant to be is to see it all through the lens of God's goodness. Let me see everything in my life through that goodness, that lens of God's goodness my wife, my, my sickness, my finances, my, my friends, my church, the world around me, all of these things, let me see them through the lens of God's goodness. Because when I see it like that, I see that that's the way it is. Because you see, the world, if you like, was created with a... Um, In a stream, in a way, like there's a stream that flows, and that stream is a stream of God's love and God's goodness. And when we don't live in that and flow in that, that's when we live in disharmony and discourse. Discord is when we try to motivate and do things outside of that. And God's calling us to a deeper place, to be in that place of knowing his love and his goodness. It's like putting on polarized lenses and beginning to see something different. The glare of the circumstances that we may have been in, that we may have felt hopeless, are done away with because we're looking at them through the lens of God's goodness. We begin to see what is is behind, beneath and around all of those things. We see them without the glare and we see the reality of God's goodness. And, you know, there are a couple of things that will increase um, increase, putting on the lens of God's goodness that will help us. And one of them look at that, is hope. You know, the victorious life of, of, of being a believer is really better than hope. Too often, believers tie all their hope to when they die. You know, when I die, I'm going to be in the glory of God. And listen, it's a wonderful thing to know that there's life after death. There is hope beyond the grave, and it's a wonderful thing. And Scripture tells us that we're supposed to encourage one another in that. But you know there's more to it than that, that the hope is for us now. There's more to come right now. It's not just hoping that there's something beyond our lifetime. It's hope based on the things that we know to be true now. The hope of the glory of Christ in us. It's not something waiting in heaven for us when we die. The hope of the glory of Christ is ours now. And we can take up and take hold of it. Because you see, he is in us now. The hope of glory. We have an eternal hope, and it begins now. You know, it's like eternal life. When does eternal life start? Not when you die. It started the day that you asked Jesus unto your life. But, and that's exactly the same for us. The hope of glory begins now because Jesus Christ is in us. And it's not a hope of simply what will be. It's a hope of what is now available. God does not reserve all the good stuff for after we die. Mm-hmm. Scripture says to us, eye has not seen, nor ear, nor ear heard, nor have we entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But they have been revealed to us by the Spirit of God. That gets read so often at funerals. And, the, and, and that's applicable to it. But it's more than that. It's for us now. He's talking about hope. There is hope now, the promise of hope for us today. And if we are, if we're not living in that place of hope today, then maybe we've got on the wrong lens. Because you see, hope is not just wishful thinking. In Mark chapter four. In Mark chapter four, Jesus tells a story of the farmer planting seeds. And he, and he says, and he, and he talks about, Jesus tells about this man who, who plants seeds. And he plants seeds in the hope of the growth that's going to come the following year. And that hope isn't based on an a idea of just, well, gee, wishful thinking. But he plants the seeds based on a promise that it's seed time, that it's harvest. He bases it on the hope that if he plants it in the right season and waters it and all these other things, he's going to get a harvest. He has hope, but it's not wishful thinking. It's hope linked to a promise. And listen to this. Listen carefully. If you can't link your hope to a promise, then you really don't have hope. All you have is wishful thinking. Let me say it again, if you can't link your hope to a promise, then really you don't have hope, but all you have is wishful thinking. See, when people go and buy a lotto ticket, they hope that this is the one. They hope that they're going to win. But that's just wishful thinking. There's no promise attached to that thought. And if you can't link hope to a promise, then it's wishful thinking. But as believers, our hope is linked to a promise. Hebrews 10 says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. I think it was interesting that we had that very word this morning. That Maddie brought the word that about our faithfulness, that we can get healing because of his faithfulness. And here it is in scripture. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. The New Living Translation puts it this way. God can be trusted to keep his promises. See, our hope is attached to the promise of the one whom we can trust with absolute certainty. Our hope is attached to the promise of the one who we can trust with absolute certainty. And I can look through the, the lens of goodness and amazing things start to happen. Hope begins to appear. In the area of finances, Philippians 4 chapter 9, and, God, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of In Christ Jesus. See, we have a hope attached to the promise. To those difficult situations in our lives, we have a promise. We know that God causes everything to work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes for them. Now, that doesn't say that he causes everything. God didn't cause that infection in my life. But through that infection, I tell you, In that time of infection, you know, yes, I, you know, I was in pain a lot of times. I I still haven't been able to get into a. I still can't lay down in a bed yet. It's still too painful. And, And you know, there are all sorts of other things. But I also encountered the goodness of God in ways I never would have done otherwise. And I was so aware of His presence in my life, and I was so aware and had confidence. Of who he was and the love that he's extend- and the love of of all you guys and, and 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 of people from all around New Zealand and even overseas who were praying, and I just felt that and I knew that. So what was meant for bad to end, perhaps end my life, I don't know. God caused good to come out of it. We have hope that's attached to a promise that we can look through the lens of His goodness. And the things that look impossible can no longer look hopeless because the glare goes away and we begin to see what's really there. And what's really there is a loving Father who cares for you and is standing there for you. It's the eternal hope that Jesus Christ gives us. You see, hope is an expectation of good. Hope is the happy anticipation of that which has been promised by a God that is in every way good and faithful. Doesn't that make you feel? I'm going to read that again. I just like that. Hope is a happy anticipation of that which has been promised. Got that. By that which has been promised. But by whom? By a God that is in every way, in every way, good and faithful. And so I tell you this morning, if you're feeling hopeless, if you're feeling in that place, know that that is not something from God. That there's a promise of hope and there's a promise for you. And God wants to reach out and touch you afresh with it. Yeah. And, and listen, sometimes there can be months of praying over something. And you look at it and you, and you think, why hasn't it changed? And 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 in fact, the circumstances might even not only not have changed, but might have become more 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 intense. But you know what? In that time, your hope is growing. Because your hope is not linked to your circumstances. But it's it's linked to you growing. Why? Because hope was not hope was linked to Jesus. It was linked to the prophetic word that God has given us over that issue. The prophetic promise of God is ours. And we can have hope in every promise. The hope is rising while circumstances may be getting worse. You know, sometimes I think God loves a gap. Because it's in that gap that we can learn to, to reach out to Him more. I mean, I'm not so keen on it. <laughs> There it is. The greatest reward of hope is not the changing of my circumstances but the transformation of my life. I'm aware of things that that have changed in my life through what I've just been through the last five months. The greatest reward of hope is not the change that takes place in my circumstances but the transformation that takes place inside of me. Hope comes in and transformation happens there's not only hope that we get but another great thing, another focus that comes through God's lens of God's goodness is favour the favour of the Lord and in this season God is wanting us to explore the thing of favour in a whole new way yeah, and, and we really need to grab hold of that hey, God's favour is there for us It's not simply about God's goodness, but it's also his favour. You see, favour is an aspect of grace. In Scripture, in fact, the word for grace and favour is the same word. It's unmerited favour. I mean, grace, there's a lot more to grace than that. But favour is offered to us because we are his favourite. You know that? I've got a little badge at home that says I'm God's favourite. But you know what? So are you. And so are you. And so are you. We're all God's favourite. That's one of the cool things about having an eternal God. He makes every single one of us his favourite. In fact, say that. Say, I am God's favourite. Did you mean it? <laughs> I hope so. And it, because you're his favourite, he extends his favourite to us. And there are manner... You know, listen, there's so many times there are, there are physical manifestations of favour come into our life that we don't appreciate or give God thanks for. You know that? I remember when I was first saved and, and you know, I mean, I was a teenager. We'd thank God and we'd believe that everything... You know, walking to school, like I remember walking to school one day and it started spitting of rain. And I can remember when I was standing, I said, God... I just rebuked that rain. I don't want to get wet and it stopped. I thanked him because I immediately believed it was his favor in my life. Today, would I do that or would I just run and try to get out of the rain? That would be a scary thought. But anyhow, you know what I'm saying. We sometimes don't realize that the favor of God is actually being poured into your life every day. Do we appreciate it and do we give him thanks? And, you know, the greatest favour is that we've been given, that we are able to behold his face, that we are about This morning as we've worshipped, we've been in the presence of God. Now, it's not just reserved for us coming together as a church, but there is something special when the body of Christ gather and the presence of God has been here and he's ministered. He's ministered his favour. He's ministered his love. He's ministered his goodness. Every single one of those things have been available to every single one of us. God opens up himself to us. And when we wear the lenses of his goodness, we see his favor everywhere. And we stop saying, oh, poor me. And we begin to start saying, oh, my, (laughs) how good was that? And it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, but when we look at them, if we look at them through the lens of goodness, we realize his favor is dotted throughout all the circumstances. And the last thing that's gifted to us, well, there's many, is is confidence and security. There's a profound revelation of confidence we have and security we walk in. That we know, we know that he's there with us What is happening in our life, whatever the circumstances, however bad they are, do not allow them to be the defining point of your life. Pause, take time, focus on the glory of Jesus and allow the Holy Spirit to bathe you in his presence. I tell you, in those dark nights when I was in there, (laughs) because I had a wonderful private room. It was glorious. Unfortunately, the helipad that brings the helicopters into the hospital was immediately outside my window, so praise Jesus! I had helicopters coming and going, literally all night. So um, there'd be nights where I just I was just laying awake. But instead of feeling sorry for myself in those times, I, there were times. Look, I'm not that good a Christian. <laughs> there were times when I I felt pretty miserable, and you know, blamed everybody and everything. But I'd like to think that there were more times that I was sitting there that I was aware of his goodness. And I would specifically take those times to allow and just become thankful and become aware and focus and turn my heart to his presence and just begin to say, thank you, Jesus. I just, I just love you. I, I, I just worship you. I, I don't understand it. But I know, I know that you're a good God. Right. And I know that you're my Father. Yes. And so, Lord, I just, I, I just, yeah, just bless you. And as I began to turn my heart, I'd see a transformation, or I'd, I'd become aware of a transformation. Listen, God is the most secure being in the universe. He doesn't have a bad day, He doesn't have an insecure moment, His confidence never gets shaken. And you can live in all of that with your own confidence. And he never forgets you. He never forgets you. Right. If I keep the lens of goodness before me, I have the confidence that, 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 that there's going to be change, there's going to be glory, there's going to be winning. I get all that confidence. It's God's confidence, but I get it all. You know, we often hear of loss of confidence, loss of confidence in the markets, loss of confidence in government, loss of confidence in all those sorts of things going on. But we can always, we know that we never have to lose confidence in the one that is the creator of the universe. You know, the, the athlete puts his confidence in his fitness. Doctor puts confidence in his education. The con man puts confidence in his personality. We all put confidence somewhere, Let's make sure that we put our confidence as believers in one and one only. The one who created the universe. You know, we can always call on the name of Jesus. Second Timothy says, For I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Everything I commit to him I'm confident he is able to keep. It's a little bit like a bank. You know, you're putting a deposit. If you have something, you can actually say, take it and say, God, here's this. And and I'm a bit unsure, but I'm going to put my confidence in you. And it's like we put a deposit into him. And we put it there, knowing that he takes hold of it. And now he's holding it for us. In Romans 8, which says it all, if I've got on to it. <laughs> For, uh, listen to this. You, should, you know, this is one of the verses that should be a, a, a verse that you memorise. For I am convinced it's persuaded that neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Neither death nor life, angels, principalities, present, future, powers, height, depth, anything in creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That is for you. That is for you. We need to be convinced of that. Absolutely and utterly convinced of that. Why? Because we're convinced that he is a good God. You know, and we may stand with perilous circumstances and we may be shaken. And when we're like that, we need to put on the lens of his goodness and see the glory of the Lord breaking forward. It doesn't mean that everything immediately is going to be perfect. You know, listen, I'm sitting here because I have a properly, well, they tell me it could be up to a year. I don't believe that. I believe it's going to be a lot sooner of physio and other stuff before I can completely walk properly again. But in it all, whatever happens, I know that God is right there walking with me. And whatever you're going through this morning, God is waiting to partner with you through those things. Because he's a good, good God. He's a loving father. And he delights in nothing more than standing with his children. Amen.